Pokémon. So we need to go up there. My fr I have a friend in Bellingham. What the fuck? Who's in Bellingham? My friend from IMTA. We party. You love partying with her. Yes. She's so fun to party yes. with. She's so fucking fun. Is she going to the university up there? No, she's a. Uh, she's from Bellingham. She lives in Bellingham. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah, she's she's. Bellingham's way... a little small, but I mean, it's gotten bigger over the years. Yeah, she's cool shit. Yeah, we partied together like way hard. I love. It's her. really pretty though. Bellingham's really pretty. It's yeah, really her name's Jackie. Pretty. Yeah, fuck yeah, Jackie. She's. So cute. She's like redhead. She's so good at acting. Aww, yeah. We partied. She, she's one yeah. of, so I went to IMTA. She was my roommate and a girl named Savannah was my roommate. Yeah. And um, we went to a rooftop bar that overlooked Times Square. Yes. And we got a fucking drink that they literally got an entire liquor bottle because it was like a ginormous like touristy drink. Uh -huh. And they just poured the entire, uh -huh. it was a Moscow mule. Oh, so we God, got a yes. Moscow mule and there was an entire liquor bottle just in Upside it. Upside down in it? Yeah. Yes. And we were like drinking. I was like, oh, fuck, I think I love you guys. And we <laughs> vowed to become, to be friends for life. And yes. we're still friends to this day. Cute. They're the only girls I'm friends with. They're so cool. Aww. So we'll go to Bellingham and we'll party with Jackie. Yeah, after we go to Tacoma and you get fucked I while I visit my and family. Fuck the fuck out of Ryan. Huzzah! Huzzah! Okay. Anyways. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> We're restarting that. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Anyways. How's your sex life? We are your slutty hosts. Yes. I'm Channa. I'm Corey. And welcome to episode fifty-four. Welcome. So we are currently recording this at nine twenty-two p.m. Jesus. On November. I thought we were going to start at like eight. December eighth. So you guys are listening to this tomorrow, tomorrow. like twelve hours from yeah. now. So we're back to like where we were like four months ago. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're back doing re weekend recordings. We are. Wednesday recordings are so much more fun. They're so much better. This week, we need to record a weekday. Oh, I can't Wednesday. You can't? No, Brad's here. I can't Thursday or Friday. I have I have Unity Saturday shit. it is then, I guess. No, or Saturday or Sunday. Tuesday? We need to figure this out. I think I can do it, thir I think I can do it Thursday. Thir it's do either it Thursday? Tuesday or Thursday. Fuck. <laughs> we'll figure this out later. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to be in Adderall all day on Wednesday. Oh, and, okay. Wednesday's fine, but we'll figure this out later. It's fine. Okay. Okay. Hey. Anyways, everybody. So <laughs> welcome to episode 54. We're feeling good. We're doing this. The audio is now on my computer. Yeah. So we were supposed to start an hour ago, but we had some drama. We had drama. Uh, Corey forgot his charger. <laughs> so I forgot my charger, even though I literally checked it off my list. So we switched to my computer. So we're just going to jump into it. I have zero announcements for today. Boom. Yeah. Boom, zero announcements. Back okay, let's get into faggots. Okay, so what I did is I'm going to do like top fives of the decade. Next week, I will do top 10 queer films. Cute. Because I'm going to like really dive into that Call and probably spend name. like way too many, way too much time curating a list for y'all. Uh, this one's more just like, so what I did is I was more focusing on my exposure to the queer world. I don't have a crazy big pop culture exposure to the queer world. I didn't even know about Conchita. 
I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> exactly. But it was like one of the biggest queer moments of 2014, apparently. Oh, we were on acid. Yeah. No, we were literally <laughs> on acid. That we did that. All that of happened. 2014, we were on drugs. Bye. Like, it's gone. Bye. <laughs> we were either on drugs or drugs. Oh, the first half of 2014. That was no, that was forty six. That was January. The, no, the latter half. Yeah, but the latter half of two thousand thirteen, and then the first half of two thousand fourteen. Yeah. Because by that time that ended, we I moved. We were done. I yeah, was done. Yeah. Because I moved. I met you September of twenty thirteen. Yeah. Because I was like, whoa, that was fun. Acid's crazy. It, I'm gonna come back to reality. Yeah. We bye. stopped <laughs> doing drugs all the time around September of twenty fourteen, because we had drug tub. Because it was summer. <gasps> you guys didn't move oh to my Old God, Mill so right. until September. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So what I'm doing for this first one is the top top queer celebrities so this is more for me <gasps> it's curated more to like my exposure there are other there are tons of queer people i don't know about i don't really watch uh rupaul's i i've, ne- I've seen like maybe three episodes it's pretty crazy that we don't like watch we just it. don't i know and it's like i've seen I- dragula on netflix it's like horror version of rupaul's and i actually really loved that and i love reality tv shows but i but yeah i can't really do reality tv shows i love them drama. but i don't I hate want fake drama i can't deal with it anyways okay bachelor Oh my God! No, Bachelor fuck Nation, that. shout out. This gives me like existential anxiety. Big I can't Brother, deal with it. oh fuck yeah. me, Big Brother. Okay, so my top uh, five queer celebrities are, with obviously like honorable mentions. <laughs> You're like Ryan Gosling if he was gay. Ryan Gosling if he was gay. Ryan Gosling if no, he was gay. No. Okay, so first one is Tessa Thompson. Cause oh. fuck yeah. Cause fuck yeah. One, she's fucking hot. Two, she's fucking fierce. Three, she's fucking by. Four, she's like in Thor Ragnarok, and she's on that girl's uh like Charlie's music Angels? videos. No. Not Charlie's Angels. She's, she's Charlie's, Charlie's Angels. Angels. No, she isn't. She isn't. No, Tessa Thompson. No, she's in Men in Black. She is. Yeah, but oh. I just fucking love her, Tessa Thompson. Go look her up. I forget the other girl. The other girl's name. She's also black. She's an artist. But yeah, I forget her name. Let me look it up really quick. I hope Kristen Stewart's on your list. She's probably not, but I'm in love with Kristen Stewart. She's so hot. Okay, so yeah, she's in that. Um, like, she's also uh, th- what like solidifies her queerness for me is when she's in like the Janelle Monet yeah. music videos. Pink. Like the pink da, da, is the da, da, inside da, da, of my Janelle's BFFs with Grimes. Yeah. Da, oh my God. Da, 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 so like Tessa Thompson and her probably like danced in the desert somewhere. They probably like scissored like, in the yeah. desert. Oh yeah. Fuck yeah. So just like Tessa Thompson, look her up. She's fucking legit. Um, next one is Gus Kenworthy. I don't know who that is. Um, he's the he's the skier that posed naked, and he he's the Olympian in oh, 2018. Okay, okay. So him and Adam Rippon, I will get to in my top five, uh, part two of this, or not part part two would be like next week, but I have one more category. It's in the next category that I'll get to. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> Gus Kenworthy, he's an Olympic skier. He's an Olympian. He actually is deciding for the 2022 Olympics to ski for england because his mother is england he has dual citizenship mm. so i like i just like him go him he's doing it to like commemorate his mom because his mom is english and but she's been like waving a uh, american flag for mm. the past like olympics just to support her son so she's he's like i'm gonna support her and like that's do cute it. yeah so i'm like super excited for him he's fucking hot as fuck <laughs> do you want to see this skiing? obviously I'll look at his Google ski. it on my phone so uh, search uh, Gus, like G-U-S, and then Ken Worthy. Spell it exactly how it sounds, like Ken Worthy. And then do, like, naked ski. Oh. Naked. His, like, booty is popping, and it is huge as fuck. And his, like, goddamn, like, I just want him to, like, 
crack open my skull <gasps> with his him. skull with his thighs. So, like cra- crack open my skull with your thighs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good for him. Oh my god. Also, the person who I talked about uh, with you, um not not Ryan. Or what? well, I'll edit this part out. Oh, that fine. hair. He's like almost too yeah. hot. He's on American Horror Story too. Yeah, he's just he's just great. The other guy uh, that uh, we'll get to him later. Whatever. Okay. Next is Ezra Miller. Oh, oh. I love. I love him. Yeah, I love Ezra Miller. He's queer as fuck. He's in Perks of Being a Wallflower. He came out. Uh, he did like a. He came out. His like uh, starting role was another role before. I forget the title, but I think he was queer in that, or he was gay in that as well, or it alluded to it. But in Perks of Being a Wallflower, he's just an out gay man in high school. Yeah. And then after that, he came out in like 2013 or 14. Um, and then yeah. ever since then, he came out as non-binary and queer. Yes. I believe. Please do not quote me on that. I believe it's non- non-binary and not just gay. He came out as, or I think he just said like, I'm queer. Um, and then he's also in Fantastic Beasts as well. Do we know that? And then also like last year. Uh, okay. This is getting really PR, like yeah. PC. Should we Google if he's non-binary? Because if so, we should probably be using their correct pronouns Ooh, you're true um i think he goes as he though okay because non-binary people will still use he or she sometimes still use he or, or they, she yeah they'll still be okay with being referred to as he or she but still i guess like yeah, let's look up with the uh, podcast that we have what's his name ezra miller test 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 no test. he says okay so i'm gonna leave even this part of us looking this up he said i'm comfortable with all the pro this is literally like from the heyalma.com he says, um, in a quote from him, I'm comfortable with all the pronouns, Ezra said recently. I let he, she, or I let he, his, him ride, and that's fine. Okay. So he's okay with being referred to as he, he, him, uh, him. He, his, him. So um, after Ezra Miller, we have Kristen Stewart. Oh, I just, like, fucking love Kristen Stewart. So and you, did, Was it you recently, or was it Chris who said that? They, Chris and I are both in love with her. Okay. Somebody said recently that she's not a good actress. That was and, me. <laughs> oh, I don't agree. I think she's a good actress. I don't know why. I just, she is, she has like, I don't think she's very dynamic in her acting. Yeah. But I think the, when she's put in the indie roles, it works. Yeah. Like really American good. Hustle. Well, th- that wasn't, that's not, that's a different movie. The movie she was in with um, Jesse, Jesse Eisenberg. Eisen- yeah. Eisenberg. And the, uh, yeah. I it, know what you're talking about. Yeah. I can't think of it right now. It has now. Hustle in the name. Maybe it um, doesn't matter. Yeah, it's But fine. anyways, she was really good in that. The I acid just, thing. I yeah. feel like she's really good in some roles, but not good in others. Yeah. And that's like totally. She does the definitely fit fault. an archetype. Yeah. And like if she's in, if she's set in the oh, nice role, she's very be- she's very perfect in it. But I just like love her. I heard I don't she's know. bad she's in Charles like, a- Charlie's what? Angels. I heard she's bad in oh, Charlie's really? Angels. Kind of makes sense because like I don't know. It doesn't really seem like a role that she would fit into, and I think oh. they were like banking on that uh, how everybody is sexually attracted to Kristen Stewart role yeah but um yeah like I don't I, know I read a couple of reviews that she was not good like she kind of took away from the movie because it was so rough oh shit okay, but I haven't bad. seen it and for whatever reason I have no interest in seeing Charlie's Angels I don't know why I love the original yeah but the new one I'm just like what ups? yeah okay. I would never go see it I don't think anybody saw it, it like crazy bomb it's not a theater movie it's a for sure torrent with your friends where you're still definitely oh god definitely um so yeah maybe I'm wrong in this I don't care I just like love uh, Kristen Stewart I think she just like embodies like sexuality in a very healthy healthy manner not that we're just want to just sexualize her i just think like she just empowers like 
I don't know, attractiveness and being like, I don't care. I'm what I am. And like, I'm attractive doing it. Like, I yeah. don't know. And she's been dating a Victoria's Secret model for I like, years. Go That's fucking good, good her. <laughs> I don't know. I just like, I, I just really love Kristen Stewart. Okay, next. Next is Ellen Page. Ellen Page. Oh. This is a little bit more like um, responsible of me. I feel like Kristen Stewart may be like problematic. I don't know. <laughs> But Ellen Page. I just think Kristen Stewart's crazy hot, and I'm like a seven point nine on the Kendall. She's like Ruby Rose. How like Ruby Rose is just hot as shit. Like anyone could get down with Ruby Rose. Yeah, like the reason why I'm not a six or whatever on the Kenzie scale is because of Kristen Stewart. Because she's so hot. (laughs) She's just so crazy hot. Fucking hot. Whatever. Okay. Um. So the the, my last number five is Ellen Page. Those are in any order specifically to me. Uh, But Ellen Page. Uh. One is because she came out in 2014 at the Human rights campaign like dinner that's like an iconic moment i think of this entire decade of her just being like hey guess what guys like i'm a big juno actor and then i was in inception and y'all love me but like i'm queer i'm fucking gay like i'm a fucking lesbian suck my dick Um, and like it wasn't actually it wasn't more like that it was more respectable she was like (laughs) i feel like i've been lying one of her quotes like paraphrasing her she was like i feel like i have been lying through omission by not saying that i'm queer and that i'm a lesbian so like i'm a lesbian like i love y'all please love me it's like shit like that like paraphrasing her very loosely um and then she like after that she came out she did gaycation oh yeah um that's a fun little thing where she goes with one of her best friends and she goes around the world there's like three or four seasons it was uh i think it was done by vice or produced through vice something like that i don't know um, but go watch a gaycation. It's very informative and actually like really good. I love Ellen Page. I think yeah. she's great. Um, and then two honorable mentions. <laughs> oh wait, one note about Ellen Page. Yeah. Um, this is a very a serious note. Oh yeah. So, um, after the Orlando shooting. Yeah. Um, Corey and I were living together at the time, and it was like a very emotional and a really rough month for the entire community and yeah. that's a reference to last episode watch last minute. Yeah. um but ellen page uh, i think it was gaycation like they had a <gasps> yes um, they whole, do a special a whole special about like orlando yeah. and it's powerful it's so, like, good you if you haven't seen it like you need to just like pause this podcast right now yeah go to a place where you can watch the video and watch it because it's really well done yeah i would like, say like like her like her being in my top five is the most responsible pick yeah like she is a very good activist and stuff like that yeah. the rest are more just like flawless i mean gus kenworthy is a good um like you know uh representation because like i'll get to it in my next list but yeah okay so two honorable mentions we won't go into them but we will go into this first one because duh oh yay <laughs> drew barrymore oh my god <laughs> oh my god jesus christ i love her i love her i wish she was I my want- my wife. I and wish I, I wish she was my wife too. I wish we were in a throuple and she was our wife. <gasps> Don't even say. <laughs> we should email her. We should write her a letter and be like, "Will you be in a throuple with Jeez, us?" I'm. Please, I'm in a separate throuple. Wait, we'll just be in a polyamorous relationship. <laughs> My favorite fact about her is that once a week, her and Cameron Diaz get together and they drink wine and do yoga. Oh they my get like God. drunk and do yoga together. <laughs> That's so cute. Like wine, mom drunk, and they like um, they like talk about being moms and then do like yoga. Oh my <laughs> it's God! So That's funny. so cute. Um, and she's a great just makeup like, wine. Go look at her like his, her repertoire of just like movies she's been in. All of them have like queer aspects of them, and I even like quoted her like you know about in the past twenty episodes of her just like. In 2012 or 13, she was like, yeah, like, I just am, like, into people. And, like, I am I, I consider myself bi. Like, I'm into women. I'm into men. Whatever. You know? Um, she might even say polyamorous nowadays. Who knows? I don't want to put those words in her mouth. But, 
you know, she's identified as queer before like a lot of people started doing it. She's amazing every single yeah. day. She's the goddess that I everyone just fucking love Drew Barrymore. We should make a religion based off of her because she's yeah. so cute. And like specifically, like to reference something specifically, if y'all haven't listened uh, or if you haven't read or listened to her uh, second memoir, um, it's called Wildflower. And I listened to it. I would recommend listening to it instead of reading it because you get to hear her read it. It is so fucking good. I was like laughing and crying the entire time. But yeah, go listen. I would go. I would download uh, her her memoir called titled Wildflower. It is so good. Okay, next one is Frank Ocean. So I am not. I I don't really listen to his music, but I know about him, and I know when he came out in like 2012 or 13. It was super early on as well, and it was super impactful to the queer community and super good like a good representation of black queers and for a black queer to come out in like 2012 and 2013 that's bold and that's powerful and fuck yeah so i like could not not put frank ocean on this list um i don't really listen to his music but i know of it i i like listen to some of the songs but yeah it's not like you know my in my focus now people say he's like he's one of the greatest like musical artists of our generation. Agreed. Yeah, people do very quote him often. I think yeah, this is more like I am like objectively respecting his yeah. like dessert like he needs to be on this list. Yeah. Okay. Boom. <laughs> Good one. Okay, so now I'm going to bring us down. Mm. <laughs> so let's let's talk about Oh, Simone came back and she's in your lap. She did come back. She is in my lap. Thank you, Simone. Sorry for sitting on you. Okay. I'm going to bring us down. I'm going to talk okay, about time to get serious. Some domestic violence. <laughs> Woohoo! So this is my second to last domestic violence segment. I might potentially have a third based off of some information that oh Jordan God. gave me earlier today, but I also might take a break with some positive spooky scoops and then go into some more serious. Okay. I don't know. Um, so today I'm going to talk about the path to safety. Got it. So again, um, like I've mentioned during the past two or three spooky scoops, my domestic um, violence information is coming from thehotline.org. Got it. Um, <coughs> the reason I've been quoting directly from thehotline.org like a bunch or from other resources is because I am obviously not like a trained professional. I am not someone who should yeah. be the person to tell you like direct facts about domestic violence or safety paths and, th- and things like that so that's why i read directly I mean, from like, the website we have a lot of titles but not that but we're not that like <laughs> i want to give you real information and this is so serious that i don't want to fuck up because mm. i don't want to like accidentally add my own two cents it's not accurate because this is real this is serious yeah it's just like during the sex trafficking facts like 20 episodes ago like i I was reading a lot. I was quoting a lot because it's serious. Like this yeah. is real life. This is not me talking about conspiracy theories. This is me talking about shit that happens every day to people that you know. Yeah. So a safety plan is a personalized practical plan that includes ways to remain safe while in a relationship, planning to leave or after you leave. Safety planning involves how to cope with emotion, how to tell friends and family about the abuse and how to take legal action and more. Um, so today I am just focusing on safety planning. Next week I'm going to conclude the domestic violence spooky scoops with leaving the relationship and legal information. Damn. So again, disclaimer, just to say one more time, I do not work for the hotline.org. I am not a trained professional. 
So I am not going to summarize information, especially about safety planning. I am going to be reading directly from the hotline.org because I don't want to accidentally fuck up and hurt someone because this is serious. So thank you to hotline to the hotline.org for having this information readily available on your website. So let's go ahead and open up the plan to safety. So you can just go to the hotline.org if you just want to read this. If you're like, Shanna, you suck. Just like, cool. <laughs> just uh, go to their website, the hotline.org, and you just click get help and then path to safety. And let me zoom in and let's get started. First, let's cover safety while living with an abusive partner. So right. these are just bullet points on their website. The first bullet point is identify your partner's use and level of force so that you can assess the risk of physical danger to you and your children before it occurs. The next one is identify safe areas of the house where there are no weapons and there are no ways, or sorry, that there are no weapons and there are ways to escape. If arguments occur, try to move to those areas. Damn. Yeah, like I'm probably going to cry. On top of the other billion things you have to think about as an adult. Yeah. That you need to think about the fuck. Yeah. I'll probably cry at least okay. once or twice during this because it's it's really scary. Yeah, because this is real. Um, the next point is don't run to where the children are as your partner might may hurt them as well. The next one is if violence is unavoidable, make yourself a small target. Um, dive into a corner and curl, curl up into a ball with your face protected and arms around each side of your head finger, and make sure your fingers are intertwined. Um, the next one, um, if possible, have a phone accessible at all times and know what numbers to call for help. Um, know where the nearest pub by Simone. She's like, ow. She's like, she's like, she's like I'm real. going to the Christmas yeah, tree. Yeah, <laughs> going to the Christmas tree. I'm sad. She's like, wonderful, perfect Jordan is going to go feed me treats under the Christmas tree right now. Mm -hmm. Goodbye. So let me just repeat that. If possible, have a phone accessible at all times and know what numbers um, to call for help know where the nearest public phone is located, know the phone number to your local shelter. If your life is in danger, call the police. The next one is let trusted friends and neighbors know of your situation and develop a plan and visual signal for when you need help. The next one is teach your children how to get help. Instruct them not to get involved with the violence between you and your partner. Uh, plan a word to signal to them that they should get help or leave the house. Um, the next one is tell your children that violence is never right, even when someone they love is being violent. Um, tell them that neither you nor they are at fault or, or the cause of the violence. And that when anyone is being violent, it is important to stay safe. The next one is practice how to get out safely and practice with your children. Um, plan for what you will do if your children tells your partner of your plan or if your partner otherwise finds out about your plan. The next one is keep weapons like guns and knives locked away and as in as inaccessible as possible. The next one is make a habit of backing the car into the driveway, keeping it fueled. Oh, keep the wow. driver's door unlocked and others locked for a quick escape. Um, the next one is try not to wear scarves or long jewelry that could be used to strangle you. And the last one for this section is create several plausible reasons for leaving the house at different times of the day or night. Um, so now I'm going to go safety planning uh, with children. 
So if you are in an abusive relationship, a safety plan should include ways that your children can stay safe when violence is happening in your home. It's key to remember that if the violence is escalating, you should avoid running to the children because your partner may hurt them as well. So for planning for violence in the home, the first point is teach your children when and how to call 911. The next one is instruct them to leave home if possible when things begin to escalate and where they should go. The next one is come up with a code word that you can say when they need to leave um, the home in case of emergency. Make sure they know not to tell others what the secret word means. Um, Side note for this, my family actually had this. So growing Mm. up, my family's biggest fear was me being kidnapped. (laughs) Like I've talked about it a few times in the episode. Um, Fucking Target. (laughs) Yeah, because I was almost kidnapped at a Target. And so anytime um, someone that was not my grandma or my mom would pick me up from school, I'd have to say, what's the magic word? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if they knew the magic word, I could get in the car. But if they didn't, I'd be like, sorry, sister, whatever. Like, you're a Mormon and I grew up with you, but fuck you. You're like, suck my clit. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, but suck my clit, you kidnapping bitch. So keywords are important because I grew up with it. And like, I think about keywords all the time. And like, my family has a keyword that we know is like the safe word in my family. Cute. It's like, oh, if someone says that, they're Jones. Like, Uh we know we can kick it with them. So safe words are really important. Okay, anyways, back to serious talk. Next bullet point. In the house, identify a room the child can go when they're afraid and something they can think of when they're scared. Um, Next one, instruct them to stay out of the kitchen, bathroom, and other areas where there are items that could be used as weapons. The next one is teach them that although they want to protect their parent, Um, They should never intervene. Um, The next one is help them make a list of people that they're comfortable talking with with and expressing themselves to. And the next one is enroll them in a counseling program. Um, Local service providers often have children's programs. Okay, and then the next subcategory of planning with children is planning for unsupervised visits. So if you have separated from an abusive partner and are concerned for your child's safety when they visit your ex, develop a safety plan for while they are visiting the partner or that person um, that could be beneficial. So the first bullet point is brainstorm with your children if they are old enough to come up with ways that they can stay safe using the same model as you would for your own home, have them identify where they can get to a phone, how they can leave the house and who they can go to. And the last bullet point for the subcategory is if it's safe to do so, send a cell phone with your child to be used in emergency situations so that, that they can use that cell phone to call 911, a neighbor or you or a friend if they are in need of aid. Okay, then another subcategory is planning for safe custody exchanges. So avoid exchanging custody at your home or at your partner's home. Meet in a safe public place such as a restaurant, a bank, or other areas with lots of cameras or even near a police station. The next one is bring a friend or relative with you for the exchanges um, or have them make the exchange. And then perhaps plan to have your partner pick the child up from school at the end of the day after you drop them off in the morning. This eliminates the chances of seeing each other. And the last one is emotional safety plan as well. Figure out something to do before the exchange to calm any nerves you're feeling and do something after to focus yourself on the kids, such as going to the park or doing a fun activity, you know, go get ice cream, go to the mall, go to the movie, something like that to just distract the child and you. Now, the last category for this, for this, the last subcategory of this main category, how to have these conversations. So let your child know that what's happening is not their fault and they did not cause it. 
Let them know how much you love them and that you support them no matter what. Tell them that you want to protect them and that you want everyone to be safe, so you have to come up with a plan to use in case of emergencies. It is important to remember that when you're safety planning with a child, they might tell this information to the abusive partner, which could make the situation more dangerous. For example, mom said to do this when you get angry. Or dad said to do this when you get like this. Um, When talking about these plans with your child, you use phrases such as, we're practicing what to do in emergency instead of we're planning what you can do when your dad slash mom becomes violent. So it's all about phrasing with the child to make sure that if they do accidentally say something in front of the the, the domestic abusive partner, that they're still safe. Yeah. Um, but it happens like emotional abuse and physical abuse happens. Um, chances are, you know, someone that has gone through it. Yeah. I mean, I've gone through it. Like you are listening to someone right now who has seen their mom go through it, who has been through it themselves and it happens to everybody around you. And this path to safety is so crucial to hear and understand. And that is why I did not summarize this because I don't want to tell someone wrong information. Yeah. My worst nightmare is giving you an information and using that and you get hurt. Yeah. Like the hotline.org is such an amazing resource for you to go, go to. Um, if you feel like you've been in a situation or if you feel like you know someone that's in the situation, they have phone numbers. They have type to talk chats that you can talk to. They have so many different resources that you can get in contact with to help you through these situations. And if you don't want to go through the hotline.org, just simply go on the Internet and search for domestic violence um, organizations in your area and they'll be able yeah. to help you because there are resources everywhere and you are not alone. You are not. And that's the most important thing to remember is you may feel like you're alone in that moment, but you're not. You have people. And no matter what, you do have me and Corey. Yeah. We're right here. We're supporting you. We've had people that have reached out about that and about coming out as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're right here for you because it's, it's real. Yeah. But anyways, sorry to be be a big downer. And I got very emotional during that, but it's important. It's important. So this one is the, or semi supernatural segment is the exorcism of ronald doe yeah okay so why is this important guys um it's not because it's just an exorcism but (laughs) why is it important it's not but it's significant um it's significant because this is the one that inspired william peter blatty to write the novel the exorcist so this is the sole like there are many exorcisms that claim this fame that like inspired the exorcist the movie but this is the actual real life event that inspired the author William Peter Blatty Blatty or Blady Blatter. sorry Bladder um to write the novel that the film was made that's based upon cool yeah. okay so in the late 1940s a priest of the Roman Catholic Church performed a series of exorcisms on a 14-year-old boy known as Roland Doe or Robbie Mannheim the events were recorded by the uh, attending priest Raymond J Bishop so the priest, his last name is Bishop. Okay. So get ready to get fucking annoyed <laughs> and confused. Oh, because we're Mormons. <laughs> because Bishop. I was confused. Well, yeah. And then also there are bishops in the Catholic Church, but yeah. they're above priests because they're like, just whatever. So yeah. priest, bishop. Wait, priests yeah. are fathers, right? So father, so, bishop. Yeah, priests are fathers. They're like our bishops from Mormons. Ah! But there okay, are wait. also bishops in the Catholic Church. This priest is not a bishop, but his last name is Bishop. So he's father bishop. <laughs> he's father you bishop. You bitch. 
Fuck you, Father Fuck Bishop. Fuck you, Father Bishop. You didn't change your last name to like Jones or Martin. Jesus Fuck Christ. you. Christ. Just like get a better last name. Bishop. <laughs> Less confusing. Or like switch to a different fucking religion. Religion, yeah. Like it's all it's all made up anyway. He should have been Mormon. He could be Bishop Bishop. <laughs> yeah, That's Bishop, hilarious. Bishop. That's hilarious. <laughs> like Elder Elder. Oh yeah. my god. Elder Elder. Um uh, the supernatural so uh, Raymond J. Bishop and the supernatural claims surround. Or sorry, I'll read the the sentence again so you can like get with me. Uh, so the events were recorded by the attending priest Raymond J. Bishop, and the supernatural claims surrounding the events were used as elements in the 1971 novel The Exorcist, oh, oh. and then also the 1970 film, 1973 film The Exorcist as well. Okay, so events leading up to the possession. So Ronald Doe, this is not his real name. This is an alias that is, was I given smell. to him by um, the church as well as the um, novelist William Peter Bailey. So that Blatty. explains the last name Doe. So his first exactly. name was probably Ronald. Though. Yeah, so Ronald. Yeah, so I don't know, but yeah, we're referring to him as Ronald. I'll refer to him as Ronald mostly. Um, so Ronald, um, uh, so this exorcism starts in the late 1940s in a cot- in Cottage City, Maryland. Um, Ronald lived there with his parents, but had little contact with their children. And it was just a classic, like serial killer thing where like most children and teachers of his grade were like, he was a little bit distant. Mm -hmm. He wasn't, uh, you know, he was a little bit of a nerd. He wasn't athletic, but he was very good in his studies and he got good grades. Um, he didn't live with any other siblings. He lived with just his parents. Um, but he, one of his favorite people in the world was his aunt Harriet. Mm. Now. His Aunt Harriet was a spiritualist, a self-proclaimed spiritualist. And one day, Aunt Harriet introduced Roland to the Ouija board. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So when he showed interest in it, she showed him how to play and then gave him a Ouija board and sent him home. Fuck. Fuck. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) This sounds like us, though. I'm like... Bye. Bye, Ronaldo. I just like go to Christmas this Christmas and I'm like, everyone gets a Ouija board. You should just, get, you know how you're like, what should I get my sister and all of her kids? I'm like dildos and Ouija boards. Ouija board. <laughs> you're like. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. So things were in el- relatively normal for Roland yeah, after he was doing fucked. the Ouija board. However, his aunt Harriet died a later, a later the same year that he was given a Ouija board in 1949. Bye, Harriet. So after she died, the family began noting the, noticing strange occurrences that were happening in their house. So let's get into these strange occurrences. Furniture started moving on its own. Objects would levitate or fly across the room. Bye. Strange noises of animals rapping and shouts were heard about the house. Ew. Um, they they described this the noises, um, which were the first things that they claimed to happen. They started. They claimed that it started out as some scratching on the walls. So just like. No, fuck you. S'mores is got spooked. Yeah, s'mores got spooked. Love you, love you, s'mores. Um, and then it escalated to thumping, and then footsteps around the house, and then animal noises. Could you imagine just like sitting in your house and you just hear, no, like you, from the fucking black-eyed, black-eyed children. children? Like I would, I would burn my goddamn entire if, house. If I was sitting there and I heard bobcat noises, I would one hundred percent commit suicide. I would just like stoically like turn to my husband and be like, "Honey, did we have fire insurance on the house?" And he's like, "Yeah," and I'd be like, "I need to go to the restroom." <laughs> Like, I'm on my period. You walk away. I'm on my period. Bye. Bye. <laughs> and then just like go to the restroom, light a match. Yeah, light a match and call the fucking <laughs> Wednesday. Fucking, because fuck yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> um, at one point, um, the portrayal of there is a portrait 
the betrayal. The betrayal, <laughs> aka drunk. portrait. I literally read the word portrait as portrayal. Yeah, so here we are. It's 10.30, <laughs> episode one out of as five. As I swirl around my mason jar. <laughs> I finished mine. I have a whole bottle deep of champagne. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Um. So at one point, a portrait of Jesus Christ. Oh. <laughs> Jesus Christo. I barely know what we're talking uh, about. Ian anymore. McGregor. <laughs> yeah, we are getting further and further away from your exorcism story. I know, right? Um, hanging on the hanging on the wall began moving around and spinning as it was on the wall, just like spinning. Could you imagine seeing a picture of Ian McGregor on your wall and it just starts spinning? I would literally around? just be there with my mouth open, like. Sidebar. Oh my God. He's so Have hot. you? <laughs> oh, what were you gonna say? <laughs> that. <laughs> but I was gonna specifically focus on y'all. Have y'all like seen Ian McGregor's hair? It's just like so beautiful. Like, have you have you seen Doctor Sleep? No, I still haven't. Oh my God, I like literally turned to uh, Tyler during the middle of it, and I was like, "Do you see his hair? It's just so." <laughs> fucking perfectly disheveled and like greasy and just like beautiful oh my god he's hot fam just like y'all go just like type in ian mcgregor's hair and just look look at it go on pornhub and type in ian mcgregor's hair you're welcome you're welcome (laughs) um so these are the things uh so once these happenings were happening (laughs) (laughs) oh my god i edited there if y'all can't tell we're just gonna leave that part in (laughs) that's like a podcast title as the happenings were happening (laughs) um so they also realized that not only were these things happening but two they were only (laughs) were only happening when that fucking boy, what's his name? <laughs> Ronald? Ronald. I just have Ian McGregor in my head, guys. Sorry, we brought up Ian McGregor. Obi-Wan or Anakin. <laughs> right. Or I'm, Ronald. Like, Star Wars comes out in two weeks. That's all I'm thinking about. Shit, that's crazy. Um, so, yeah, Ronald, they only happened when Ronald was in the house. Hmm. So, like, one like one of the parents was like, mm. Bye, Ronald. Probably the mom. She was like, mm, this only happens when Ronald is home. Like, See, what the if fuck? that was your kid, you'd be like, bye. I, I would kill him. <laughs> you'd, like, call me and be like, you want a haunted kid? Yeah. I'd be like, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, hey, there's this thing called boarding school. It's, like, really fun. <laughs> there's this thing called military There's these school? things called faggot masters. We'll send you to Britain. There's <laughs> things called faggot masters. Yes. It's so fun. It's so fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, <laughs> he's like, dad, for, like, the 30th time I'm straight. You're like, ugh. <laughs> I'm like, that doesn't exist anymore. It's 2040. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so the family, um, then when they figured this out, they turned to their pastor for uh, for help. Uh, the pastor was this Lutheran guy that they knew. His name was Michael Schultz, whatever, we'll move on. Um, and he um, basically went over to the house and was like, okay, let me see what's going on with your boy. And, and when he went there, he literally was just like agreed with them. He was like, this shit is happening. I hear noises when I go over here. Mm. Objects start to float around this boy. Um, and he looks at them and he's like, your boy's possessed. I don't know how to deal with this, but you should talk to a Catholic priest because catholic priests still deal with exorcism he's like me as a lutheran i don't really deal with it so you should go to a catholic priest so long story short what i'm about to go over for the next few minutes is like a little bit of discrepancies and i'll try to point these out of where they happen but i'm not, not going to talk at all okay for, for main make this easy for you okay that's fine for main timeline is what happens is the the family contacts this guy named edward hughes okay he is a priest, and he con- conducts this exorcism in Georgetown University Hospital. 
So during this exorcism, what's more important is the boy allegedly slipped one of his hands out of the restraints, bo- broke a bread- bed spring from under the mattress. I don't know how you just break a bed spring from in a mattress. I don't know. But he did. <clears throat> but he did because he's possessed. Used it as an impromptu weapon and then slashed the priest's arm during the ritual, which halted the ritual. So the rit- the exorcism was never completed. So the people are like, fuck, this guy's obviously possessed. That was intense. We had to stop the ritual. So he's still possessed because the exorcism was not completed. Um, when that happened, they then go to a professor in St. Louis University um, by the name of Raymond J. Bishop. Now, the accounts of this of, of this guy, of this priest, Raymond J. Bishop, as we said earlier. Father Bishop. Is Father Bishop. These are the accounts that, that the author of the book, The Exorcist, used to, that, that inspired him. Okay. Fun. So Raymond J. Bishop, the Father Bishop, is, the, is important. So this is where he comes into the story. So he kept a log of these events, and then he kept a log of future events that we're just about to talk about. So after learning about what happened during this first exorcism, Father Raymond J. Bishop sort of takes charge a bit. And he's like, okay, we're going to do detailed preparation of what's going on. You're going to be here. I'm going to be there. You know, yeah, like dildos on this wall, like lined up by size in alphabetical order, you know, just like shit like that. Mm. Um, And then he calls for the help of uh, two other priests. We don't need to go into their names because just like whatever, you know, just two guys. Before the next exorcism that was performed, uh, like – you know, months later, the boy was strapped to prevent injury to himself and others, but preparations were not enough. Oh, so, shit. So, before we get on to this next exorcism, let's go over the discrepancies of what I just explained. So, there are some discrepancies of how they got to, how the family went to St. Louis and contacted the bishop, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, let me read something else. Okay. So, the teenage boy that we're talking about, Ronald. Ronald. He started, um, there is other accounts that said that while those other things were going on, like the Jesus picture spinning around and shit, he also started to get marks and scratches all over his body. At one point, the thing, uh, what was uh, written into his body was Lewis. Like literally his mom just sees the word Lewis scratched into his body. Like appear before him. By Ronald, a.k.a. Lewis. So people, uh, some of the accounts say that because of this, they went to their cousin in St. Louis or something like that. And then contacted a medium there. There's also other accounts that say that this cousin was a medium. Like who fucking knows? Okay, regardless, medium. Yeah. So while they're there, they conduct a seance, and then while they're at this seance, the mark appeared marks appeared upon his uh, skin, which spell out the words "No School." <gasps> so when this happened, then they go to the school in St. Louis where the Father Bishop is, and then then we'll get. Now we're back on track. Okay. okay? So sorry for that discrepancy. So they get there. Yeah. And if that's not correct and you've heard something different, what like else? don't fucking DM me because like, it, you know. They get there. There's a billion. Yeah. They get there. <laughs> this is a story. It's all made up. God isn't real. Yeah. Long story short, <laughs> they're there. <laughs> okay. Um, so next, now we're getting to the second exorcism. So the second and final exorcism took place on Easter Monday in 1949. Happy Easter, Jesus. Happy Easter, Jesus. Um, so having done all these preparations that we just talked about, um, the boy was like locked down and like tied down in a secluded room in a hospital. So during the exorcism, um, <clears throat> it is noted that marks began to appear on the boy's body as well. Um, at one point they saw the word evil materialized oh, on his shit. body and then the word hell also appeared oh, on his shit. body. Oh shit. 
The portion of the exorcism where the saints um, are called upon resulted in a violent shaking of Roland's mattress, as well as things levitating in the room. Um, the litany of saints, that's what it's called, is considered the most intense part of this exorcism. The exorcism took a total of eight minutes, and when it was over, the boy said in a tone that signified relief, He's gone! Others report that he said, It's over! It's over! And uh, when this happened, the room like immediately like took like a breath of fresh air. The the priests Damn. report so Father Bishop and then the two other priests with him report it just being like <gasps> like Damn. like pressure just exited the room. Fuck. Um other accounts uh during this exorcism, uh like when things were going crazy, a crucifix in the room began to tremble on the wall. Um the bed was shaking as well multiple times and then a vial of holy water that was supposed like that's there to protect everybody shattered <gasps> like gas uh, literally when i said shattered my computer shut down yeah i saw that and i want to die where's my phone so other things that happened is the uh, ronald was noted to have said like ex- very explicit vulgar language that like most kids don't even know um just sort of like your co- your mother sucks cocks in hell from the shit. exorcist and shit like that um also uh, there was one point that I don't know where this falls into the timeline, but one of the articles said that even at one point they were so worried about this that they were like, we need to go rebaptize him because he's like shit. saying some crazy shit. So they apparently get him into a car and try and drive to a Catholic church, but he like overpowers the priests, breaks out of restraints and then swerves the car off of the <gasps> road. I don't know where this fits in That's like, crazy. realistically, but it's fun. But I want to believe that happened. <laughs> So let's go in. So that's pretty much it. It, it, This isn't like crazy scary. There aren't like crazy big ass things that happen. Um, But that's basically the ascent of like what happens during this exorcism. Um, Let's go into like the legacy a little bit because that's more of sort of why I'm talking about this whole thing. Let's talk about the boy. Um, After the exorcism, it is reported all over the place. Every article and Wikipedia articles were saying he lived a normal life. Um, the writer, t- uh, like, uh, attempted to protect his identity and that's why we have the name that we have. Um, and he like has a family, um, he grew up and he has children, um, just totally normal life. Nothing really intense or different there. Um, then the Bishop's diary was reportedly left at the hospital. The diary was found in 1978, just before the building was destroyed li- randomly by a fire. Demons. And then the diary became the like point of interest for the author who wrote the exorcist. That's cool shit. Yeah. What? I said that's cool shit. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very intense. By Simone, like she's literally like if you turn around to your right, <laughs> she's just <laughs> disappearing into the abyss of the closet. <laughs> Bye. That's cool. This is like the real OG of the exorcism. Yeah. The, the exorcist. It's like this is it. This is what really started it. Like, you know, the writer probably got inspo from a bunch of other shit, but this is the one where they're like, oh, shit. Yeah. This could be a movie. Yeah. So sorry it's not, like, crazy intense because it sounds like it would be if it inspired the exorcism, but it's more like just the a real-life account story that triggered the author to be like, oh, I want to write something about this. This is cool. Yeah, because he taste. got his hands on the, yeah. like, first, you know, account. That's you know? cool. Yeah. I mean, and... It like the story is oh, really sorry. cool because without this happening, 
you could probably argue that horror would be pretty different. Oh, horror like, would be so crazy different. So yeah. it's, it's pretty cool that this event. We wouldn't have The Conjuring. Yeah, like this event is what started horror that we, like the horror that the modern we day into. horror that we know yeah, yeah. uh-huh that's pretty fucking cool thanks yeah. ronald yeah Doe. no yeah like like definitely like the supernatural would be less prevalent or would have maybe been less prevalent for a few more decades yeah if this didn't happen yeah something else would have had to happen and it, it, it yeah. could be a completely different direction exactly yeah uh-huh. so we'd be still like more focused on serial killers and slashers and shit like that that's... which is not a bad thing but like yeah simone simone get your butthole down <laughs> Her butthole was on my cord. That's really <laughs> cool. I, I dig that. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, that's the exorcism of Ronald, Ronald Doe. Doe. Sick. Sick. So today, I'm really excited about yes. this. Yes. I'm really excited. Yeah, I saw the pictures. Yeah. Okay. Damn. <laughs> Corey and I are sick. In case you haven't realized this yet, we are sick individuals. We have to see the sick stuff. We have to see the sick stuff. Anytime yeah. there's images or videos of a crime happening... Corey and I have to send it to each other to I watch to it because it. Yeah. it just further desensitizes us. Yeah. I just... will like eventually I will look away when I'm like overwhelmed, but like I have to at least start. And <laughs> it, it takes a lot more for us to be overwhelmed than a normal human. Yeah. Now, this is so incriminating, everything that we're talking about, but whatevs. OK, so today I am talking about the murder on the Greyhound bus. Ooh. So I have been talking about disappearances for the past four or five episodes. Yes. And it's been a good it's time. It's been fun as hell. It's been super fucking yeah. fun. Last episode was really fun. Yeah. So No, I, that was it, maddening. It was infuriating. <laughs> but today I'm going to talk about a murder. Yes. So originally I was going to <laughs> Not talk, yes, but but yes. Yeah. So originally I was going to talk about this like crazy serial killer, but there is so much info on him that I was like, okay, I want to at least look at two or three documentaries before I even figure out the angle that I want to go in. Okay, yeah. So it's going to probably be a few episodes before I go into another cuz I haven't talked about a serial killer in a while. You haven't, yeah. So today I'm just going to talk about a single murder. So some background on the murder on the Greyhound bus. So there's a guy, this dude, his name's Tim McLean. McLean, I don't know. M-C-L-E-A-N. McLean? McLean. Yeah, I'd say McLean. Tim McLean. He was born on October 3rd, 1985. Happy Halloween. Nice. He was born in Winnipeg, Canada. He was a very active and adventurous individual. He loved traveling. Uh, he just had one of those personalities that everyone just loved. Like, you would meet him, and you'd be like, fuck yeah, Tim. Like, yes. we're instantly friends. You're the life of the party. You're so social. Like, you're just an extrovert. You're wonderful. Anyone who met him would just, like, instantly become his friend. And he just had positive experiences all about him. He's, like, the type of guy that you really think that you are, but you're probably not. <laughs> so, in the summer of 2007, Agreed. I was in seventh grade going into eighth grade. What year? 2007 i was a junior cute or i was a sophomore tim's friend tiffany she called him and she was like yo what are you doing this summer he wasn't really sure so that she was like okay pack your bags let's go on a fucking adventure and he was like sick let's do this so he packed his bag and they started traveling around and eventually they found this traveling carnival and they're like yo let's get jobs at this carnival and because it's a perfect opportunity so we can travel around canada so they fucking loved working for this carnival. Tim, like I mentioned before, he was a really social person. So being around people and all different types of people 
all day every day was like a dream come true like okay. he was really just excelling in this social atmosphere okay he met tons of people most of them are around his age so like you know 20 21 22 and he was able to travel all around canada and most importantly he partied every single night with his Hell new yeah. friends. Because at the end of the day, when they were done working, they would just throw these, like, fucking ragers. They would drink. They would I do mean, drugs. In your early 20s, what else? They would fuck. It was, like, the perfect ideal job for a 20, 21-year-old. Yeah. Their summer carnival job soon turned into, like, an entire full-year, full-blown job. And they were just loving it. But by the summer of 2008... Tim decided that it was time for him to go back to Winnipeg so he could settle down a little bit. Pretty much how I could relate this to me and Corey is it like the carnival life was like his 46. Like he had his wild, yeah, super fun. That's what bucket. it sounds like. Yeah. And then after about a year, he was like, okay, I should probably cool it. Like I'm not fully ready to be an adult. <laughs> like but- this was fun, but like life is also real. Yeah. But like I shouldn't <laughs> do acid all the time. Like yeah. I shouldn't drink all the time. So he was ready to just kind of set not when I say settle down, like I don't mean like marry someone and like dig roots. I just mean chill. Well, out. He just like, yeah, he just like wants to chill out and like be an adult and focus on his life. Totally. Like yeah. he wanted like a single job. He had fun. Yeah. He learned what he needed to from drugs and moved on. Exactly. Yeah. So the carnival was in Edmonton around this time, which we actually have a connection to the word Edmonton from 46. Because you remember the guy that moved in? He took Pepe's room. Is that not we, Fish? We nicknamed him Edmonton. No, he's the guy that was there for one for night. For one night. And <laughs> weren't y'all like, I was playing I think, video games silently. I, think I went to bed and y'all were playing video games silently, but you like pissed him off for some reason. And he left. Yeah. So it was like. I liked Fish because he would like he go hot. take, yeah, he'd go take a shower. And then just, like, walk around shirtless for the rest of the time. And I was like, you know we're all fucking gay. Yeah. Like, we're all gay and Chan's a whore. You understand that's right? <laughs> he had, like, no idea. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, so the carnival ended in Edmonton. Or it was in Edmonton. And they were about to move on to another city. And Tim was like, okay, I'm going to just take – I'm just going to go to Winnipeg from Edmonton. Like, I'm not going to continue on to the next circus town or carnival yeah. town. I'm just going to take off back home. So the distance between Edmonton and Winnipeg is, like, ginormous. Um, so he either had to take, like, a Greyhound bus or a plane. But because the plane. he take the plane. has been ha- – because <laughs> he has been spending, like, all of his money on partying the past year, he didn't have enough money for the plane. So he was like, okay, yo, I'm just going to do the Greyhound. Sad. But all of his buddies at the carnival were like, okay, Tim, like, we love you and we want you to have a good experience. So we just want to pitch in and give you money for the plane ticket. And he wouldn't let them do that oh. because he's like, you know, he's like, I've taken the Greyhound before. It's totally fine. And I don't want you spending the money on me. Like, I love you guys. This like, is 2007. Yeah. This is recent. I mean, damn, 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago now, but pretty recent. Or this is 2008. That's, that's recent. This is 2008. So um, he was like, I love you guys. Like, I don't want you to spend the money on a plane ticket when I could spend a fraction of that on a Greyhound ticket. It's fine. Like, don't damn. worry about me. I can handle myself. So a little after midnight on July 30th, 2008, Tim McClan boarded the 1170 Greyhound bus to Winnipeg. This bus ride would take 24 hours. Damn. So Tim sat towards the back of the bus. He was about a row ahead of the restroom. And behind him sat like an old woman with her son and her daughter-in-law and then across from him was like a man and his girlfriend. Yeah, I like know what's going to happen. So this is like crazy interesting like 
hearing you explain how this is going to yeah. happen. Okay, so this is the <laughs> shitty part about the story is I read about the story right next to Corey and I gasped and yelled what happened because I could not contain myself. This is more so fun shooken. though because I'm like, holy shit, how is this going to happen? Yeah. So here we go. Like, when does this start? Like, what is the catalyst? So here we go. <laughs> so Tim, he walked back towards the bed. Samores. Okay, I thought she was climbing up oh. behind me. He walked to the back of the bus, picked a seat, sat down. He put his headphones in. He was fully ready for like the 24-hour trip back home to Winnipeg. So the 1170 bus had multiple bus stops between Edmonton and Winnipeg. Every stop was like totally normal, nothing out of the ordinary, until the 6.55 p.m. stop in Erickson, Manitoba. During this break... Tim got off the bus, you know, to stretch his leg, get some food. Like the reason, like the reasons yes. you would get off a bus yeah. for a 24-hour bus ride. Totally normal. Everything was like totally chill. You know, he had 17 hours down um, and only a few hours to go. He and the other passengers, they boarded the bus again, took their usual seats, but a new passenger joined. No. 40-year-old Vince Lee. So the bus... It wasn't full enough that, ev- that people had to share seats. Yeah. Like, it was empty enough that pretty much everyone had their own seats. Like, some people shared, but, like, it was pretty comfy. Like, it's not like, like a most pack people had their up. own, like, two-seat pocket. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Like, rows weren't, like, like yeah. It, I mean, it was just a half-empty bus, pretty Got much. Got it. Okay. Vince sat all the way in the front. And, again, Tim was all the way in the back. So a few hours went by, the bus stopped again for another break, everyone left, got food, stretched your legs, and everyone returned to the bus. This time, however, Vince Lee, he grabbed all of his things and he started walking towards the back of the bus looking for a new seat. As he passed each individual person, he would just stop and stare at them. No. No one acknowledged him except Tim McLean. Fuck. Tim was again, just to remind you guys, all the way in the back, one seat ahead of the restroom. And all he did was look up to Vince and just say, hello. Like, hey. I'm never talking to another normal, person ever again. Just a total normal human interaction. Vince looked at him and sat down. So Right across, next to him? Yeah, right next to him. So I'm assuming you've all been on a bus before. I have. Corey has. In a bus, there are – so there's a aisle down the middle that like you walk through. Like a charter bus. And then – on both sides, there are two to three seats. Yeah. So, uh, like I kind of explained, the, the bus is kind of half empty, so everybody had their own little seats. Um, so, Vince walked all the way back and sat right next to Tim. So, across from Tim, so just a foot or two away, there was that guy and the girlfriend that I talked about. And behind Tim and now Vince, there was an old lady with her son and her son and her uh, daughter-in-law. So, just to, like get the picture. Damn. These people are... Within five feet. Yeah. I mean, he's less than. Yeah. Less than for sure. Yeah. Like within one or two feet yeah. right there. Like you can you can reach out and touch the person. Think of an airplane. It's like an airplane. Yeah. Layout. Yeah. Jesus Christ. And I'm just going to assume you're on a bus. If you weren't like, okay, go on a bus. Come yeah. on. <laughs> anyway, so Tim, you know, Vince sat down. He didn't think anything of it. Like, what else? It's the Greyhound. He just put his headphones on. He like leaned his head against the window and like dozed off. The bus lights were turned off so people could sleep, so the only lights that lit the cabin were from TV screens. Um, it was spooky. I have an all caps. 
Now, the people sitting across from Tim and Vince noticed that Vince was acting totally bizarro. Like he had a giant roll of toilet paper with him and a ginormous drink. And every time he needed to take a drink, he would stuff the roll under his chin and to hold it in place and then take a drink and then quickly grab the toilet paper roll and just hold it. Like he was really intense with this toilet paper roll. I would not let. No. He also kept on speaking a different language under his breath and just started rocking back and forth. And he was sitting in the same pocket. Like right, like shoulder to shoulder with Tim. No. Like a two, like here's an, okay. So no. it's like, here's me. Okay, you guys can't see this, but just so Corey yeah. can see it. Get the fuck like, out. I'm Vince. Yeah. This is Tim. I'll, and then right here is the boy yeah. and his girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. So the behavior, it was only getting weirder and weirder. Like the rocking was getting more intense. And like the, and all of a sudden, like his different language talking kind of seemed like it was turning into chanting. God it's getting like it. a little bit louder, a little bit louder, a little bit louder. And then all while displaying zero emotion on his face. And then all this was happening, rocking, chanting, different language. Vince Lee whipped out a long hunting knife. He removed this Rambo style knife from its holder sheath, whatever the fuck knives are tucked into. And he just turned, he just paused for a minute completely no emotion, nothing. He turned and looked at Tim. He looked at his knife, looked back at Tim, moved the knife up, and started stabbing Tim in his throat and in his chest. Jesus Christ. Tim started screaming and making animalistic noises that still haunt the passengers to this very day. Jesus Christ. The man sitting across from Tim and Vince screamed and yelled and yelled to the driver, stop the fucking bus. There is someone stabbing someone to death on here. And the bus just went into full panic mode. But they were in the middle of a fucking highway. The driver just couldn't slam on his brakes and pull or he would put everybody in danger. So he had to continue driving for a few minutes while trying to pull over to be safe so he didn't kill everybody. Yeah, because he's in a long ass bus. Everyone was screaming. Everyone was panicking. They were jumping over each other, pushing their way to the front, vomiting because they were able to start smelling the blood and hearing the animalistic screams escaping Tim's body. All of them were just trying to do this while the driver was trying to stay calm and focused to get the bus safely off the road. At this point, Tim started fighting back. He pushed Vince out of the way. He tried jumping over into the middle of the road to start running, but he fell and Vince jumped on top of him and continued stabbing. Witnesses have said at this point there was about 50 or 60 stabs and Tim was still screaming. Meanwhile, the old lady and her son or her daughter, sorry, her son and her daughter-in-law were trapped behind Vince and the man who sat across from them looked back and saw the old lady and the two and the couple and he decided, fuck it, I need to go save them to make sure they're protected from Vince. So he ran back and he helped them jump over seats to get away from Vince stabbing Tim. And finally, while all this was happening, the bus driver was able to come to a complete stop and open the door so that everybody run out. And while this was happening, Vince just continued stabbing Tim. No emotion. No reaction to the people screaming and trying to get away. It was, a, it was as if he was in his own world. And with everybody now off the bus, the driver ran around the back and activated the immobilizer, which makes it so the bus can no longer run. A truck driver, because this is a highway, he pulled over to see why the fuck the bus pulled over and why everybody was outside of the bus screaming and vomiting and what the fuck was going on. And someone yelled, he's stabbing him to death. He's stabbing him to 
fucking death. And the driver just squeaked, screeched on his brakes, jumped out with a fucking crowbar. So the trucker, the man who sat across from Tim and the bus driver started running back into the bus towards like in towards the doors into the bus to try to stop the killer or at least lock in the, the killer. And at this point, Tim's screams have stopped. Oh. And Vince stood up and he looked at the three men and he started walking towards the bus door. They met at the door at the same time and Vince tried to swipe at the men. The three men jumped back and Vince turned around and just walked back to Tim's body, still zero emotion on his face. They looked in the bus and they saw Vince kneel down. He took the knife and he started decapitating Tim McClan. The three men froze. The passengers are screaming. They're throwing up. They're fainting. They're crying. Someone managed to call the police, but it was taking the police a while to get there because they're in the middle of a fucking highway. Vince finished decapitating Tim's head while the three men just stood there. And he picked up the head. He turned around. He looked at the three men. And he started walking towards them. Adrenaline hit the men, and they're able to back up, slam the door shut, and they used the crowbar to lock him in. But Vince, doesn't, Vince did not care. Damn. He just looked at the men. He looked at the passengers and he held up the head. And he started pacing back and forth, showing the head in every single window, looking at the passengers, no emotion, showing the head. He turned around, faced the other windows, and he would show the head to drivers that were driving by, that were just passerbyers. Damn. He just paced back and forth, head on display, as the police showed up around 8.30 p.m. By 9 p.m., so in that half hour, more and more police showed up, and at that point, they were in a complete standoff with the suspect, and they summoned special negotiators and a heavily armed tactical unit. Eventually, the rest of the police and the negotiators arrived, and they decided that Vince was obviously going through a psychotic episode. So they were going to wait <laughs> until the episode. Helpful. So they're going to wait until the episode was over, and they were safe to enter to arrest him. While this was going on, Vince just dropped his head, and he knelt down next to Tim's body. And started cutting up his body, cutting off pieces of his body, throwing pieces around the bus, just scattering his flesh around the bus. He dismembered body parts. He mutilated his face. He removed his hearts, his eyeballs, his tongue, his nose, his ears, everything. He then started eating the body parts. This went on for four hours. During those four hours, police and passengers had to hear, see, and smell what Vince Lee was doing to Tim McClan's body. But they're like outside. Looking in. God damn it. There were children there. There were elderly people. They were forced to witness this horrific crime for hours. Slowly, the bus passengers were transported from the scene to be interviewed, and by 1.30 in the morning, it was just the killer and the police left standing. Vince tried starting the bus, but because the bus driver activated the immobilizer earlier, the bus wasn't able to go. So Vince walked towards the back of the bus, and he broke a window trying to escape. So the police shot him with a taser twice, and they arrested him. When they entered the bus scene, it was horrific. Body parts were just everywhere. Like, every inch of the bus was covered in flesh and blood. Uh. Tim's heart, his ears, his tongue, his nose, his eyes were missing. They couldn't even remotely identify the corpse. All they could tell was that he was a young, white male. That's it. He was so badly fucked up. Yeah, from his mutilated. He was so badly mutilated. They took the bus in to continue looking for evidence and identification for the victim. And by 10 a.m., the passenger's they were interviewing all of them to see what the 
fuck happened and they were finally done and they were transported to Winnipeg to be reunited with their families and the story of the murder of the Greyhound bus was everywhere. Now, since Tim was not identified yet, the news just referred to him as a young white male. Tim's mom, Carol, was watching the news that morning and thought about how fucked up and sad it was. She went to work and she led a prayer circle to pray for the victim and his family. Oh, fuck. She led the prayer circle not knowing she was praying for herself. Damn. After the prayer circle was done, she looked at her coworkers and she was just saying how crazy it was because her son was in the young 20s and he was supposed to, and he was taking Greyhound yesterday. She's like, what if it was him? Like she wouldn't be able to handle it. Like she feels so sorry for his family because that could have been her. Not knowing it was her. Tim's dad, so his parents were divorced. He was getting ready for Tim's arrival. He's supposed to show up for dinner. He bought Tim's favorite meal, which was fried chicken. He prepped the entire house for his son. But that afternoon, he got a knock at the door from Tim's friends. They asked him if he heard the news. He had no idea what they were talking about. He hadn't turned on the news all day. He said, what are you talking about? They're like, it's Tim. He said, what are you talking about, Tim? They're like, can we come inside? And his heart just sank. He just knew something was wrong. And he walked inside with the friends, and they turned on the news. And going across the top of the news was his son's name. His body was identified because they found his driver's license in the bus and he was gone like he was just devastated and he he knew he had to call his wife or his ex-wife he called his ex-wife and he told her to sit down he told her that the boy on the news was their son she was just shattered devastated she knew about it all day but she never thought in a million years it was her baby boy and it was meanwhile vince lee was brought in and questioned on his own person, they found Tim's ears, tongue, and nose in his pockets. His heart and eyeballs were eaten. Vince was a 40-year-old Chinese immigrant who lived in Winnipeg who had undiagnosed schizophrenia. He heard a voice in his head that ordered, that ordered him to do everything, who he believed was God. While questioned, Vince told the entire story to the police. A few days before the murder, the voice in his head, God told him that he was going to be killed, so he better buy a knife for protection. The day before the murder, God told Vince to take a ground, uh, to take a greyhound from Edmonton to Winnipeg. This was 24 hours before Tim's bus. Vince boarded the greyhound to go to Winnipeg, but when the bus got to Erickson, God told him to get off the bus, so he did. God told him to sit at the bus stop and wait, so he did. He just sat at the bus stop. He waited for further instruction, but God wasn't talking to him anymore. So Vince just sat at the bus stop, emotionless, waiting for an order all night. Multiple witnesses told police that they literally saw him just sitting there, wide-eyed, not blinking, no movements, no sleep, just sitting there, rocking back and forth at the I've bus stop. I've literally been Pikachu gasping for the past 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> this went on for hours and hours and hours, and the next morning, Vince just randomly pulled out of his laptop the, fir- the first movement, in hours he put a sign on his laptop that said six hundred dollars or best offer a few hours passed by and a teenager across the street saw the sign so he walked over and uh vince asked him are you interested in this laptop the kid was like i am but i don't have six hundred dollars i'm like a teenager and vince was like okay well do you have sixty dollars and the kid was like yes i have sixty dollars and vince is like okay great give me sixty dollars and it's yours and the kid was like 
are you sure this is like a like a brand new laptop i'd be like go 20 feet over there set it down yeah (laughs) and uh he was like no 60 dollars, and it's cool and the kid was like okay so gave the guy 60 dollars, grabbed the laptop and he was like chill and he like quickly went the other way bye (laughs) now this was the only time in the past like 12 hours or more than that that vince spoke to anybody or even moved or even showed any amount of emotion or even life jesus now quick note about this the teenager did turn in the laptop as soon as he heard about the murder so like side note okay so finally at 6 55 p.m tim mcclain's greyhound bus pulled up to the station and vince decided this was the bus he was going to board did he say he decided that or a voice told him that he decided that not a voice okay he got it at the bus, sat at the front. A few hours went by. The next stop happened, and Vince decided to switch seats to get an order from God because he still wasn't hearing from God. Now, Vince didn't explain why he chose Tim. He didn't have a reason. People speculate it's because Tim was the only person who acknowledged, him. acknowledge him. Or yeah. maybe it was just random. Or maybe it was because Tim was towards the back. Regardless, Vince Lee sat down next to Tim McClan. Now, a few minutes into the to the ride, people say five, ten minutes, not long. That's when the toilet paper drinking tea thing happened. Yeah. That's when the chanting, the rocking back and forth. It was only a few minutes. Vince finally heard God. God told him that Tim was going to kill him if he didn't kill Tim right now. And if he didn't kill Tim, he would be punished by the wrath of God. Just like that, Vince pulled out the knife. He held up the knife. He turned and looked at Tim, and he just started stabbing. After 100 stabs, Tim was dead. Vince didn't even notice that anyone left the bus. God told him he needed to get rid of the body, or Tim would come back to life and kill him. So that's when he decided to decapitate the body and dismember body parts and begin eating it. Damn. Vince begged police to kill him. So he didn't have to hear. I'm like not even near the microphone. My bad. <laughs> Damn. Vince begged God, begged police to kill him, so he didn't have to hear evil God anymore. He begged and begged and begged and begged, but Canada didn't. They don't have a death penalty, and the police were like, "You just fucking murdered a person in front of a dozen people." So they called in a psychologist in in uh after you know probably three and a half and they wait no and they still use tasers actually that is a uh interesting point canada versus like america yeah (laughs) because like america they'd be like yeah um yeah that's something like that's like (laughs) they would have just been like they would just sit in like a nuke to nuke the entire bus (laughs) and honestly it also like they're there's a like this is Canada, so it's very different from like America. Yeah. But if this was America and it was a white guy, he would have been tased. But if he was anything but a white guy, which this guy is, and he's a Chinese immigrant, like he would have just killed. blown up the bus. It's it like crazy. This whole case yeah. is fucking crazy. Anyways, so police called a psychologist in, and after like you know probably like a thirty-five seconds, the psychologist was like, "Yo, Vince Lee has fucking schizophrenia. Like, yeah. obviously." Um, Lee's trial began on March 3rd, 2009. Happy almost birthday, Corey. Um, and he pled almost. not guilty uh, or not criminally responsible due to insanity. So the judge, they accepted his plea and they ruled that he was not fit to stand trial um, and not guilty due to insanity. And instead, like prison, they sent Vince Lee to a psychiatric hospital for a minimum of three years. 
One year later, Vince was granted unsupervised time outside for a few hours every single day. And by February of 2017, so only two years ago, Vince was deemed mentally stable enough to be released into society. He legally changed his name to Will Baker, and he currently lives somewhere in Canada, completely free, no criminal criminal record to his name. No. So the passengers and the police officers okay. who witnessed this horrific crime have suffered severe PTSD since. Um, this is very sad. One officer one of the first officers on the scene actually committed suicide about five years later because of the amount of trauma that he endured in that scene and the uh, acts that he was witnessed. Multiple passengers also sued the police department um, because they did not handle the situation fast enough. There was a solid four hours where they all just stood there and stared. That police didn't do anything. That's that's uncool. Uh, all passengers did drop the charge within like a year or okay, two. Okay, good. Um, now, they also sued, sued a Greyhound, but charges were also dropped. But, you know, at least a dozen people, probably dozens, have and are currently living with extreme PTSD and anxiety Damn. based off of this experience. And while they're living with that for the rest of their lives, permanently changed and permanently affected, Vince Lee, who violently murdered, decapitated, and ate Tim McClain, walks free today. Damn. Anyways, how's your sex life? I mean, we don't understand everything, <laughs> but damn. Fuck. This is that's a, a scary this is a thought. crazy story. That's, that's an unsettling thought. So, Corey and I saw pictures. Yeah, man. So, as I mentioned at the beginning of this, Corey and I are sick. Every time we find pictures on the internet, we have to send it to each other. Mm-hmm. And I, we both saw uh, the pictures of Tim McClain after he was mutilated. Mm-hmm. Um, it's horrific. I mean, it's horrific what he did. You can't even recognize. Yeah. You can barely recognize as a corpse. It's so humili- It's so insane. I mean, this guy's a monster, and he's walking free right now. Right now. Like, he's in his 50s. He still has at least 20 years left of his life. Damn. Somewhere in Canada. I don't know how you, like, safely deal with that. But, okay. Yeah. So, anyways. I mean, yeah, if you treat an illness, it's okay. But I just, like, who knows? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, all it takes is him, I guess, going off of his medication. I feel like if you commit such a violent and, like, sporadic crime. Yeah. And I, I feel like that should just be like, cool, you're like free to go, but like you have to live in this kind of facility. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's nuts. Because yeah. he was able to commit probably one of the most horrific crimes. I mean, this is probably the, this is the first public murder I've ever discussed. You don't hear about them that often. Yeah. But it's like a public murder. He decapitated this guy in front of everybody. And then he, ate his body parts. Yeah. Fuck. I mean, and he didn't even remember he didn't care. it. <laughs> yeah, like he didn't care that people were around. It didn't bother. Him. Like he didn't even yeah. recognize that people were reacting to it. Damn. Yeah, I mean, it's fucked up. Yeah, it's fucked up. And you, and, yeah, and fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> fuck. Yeah. So I, when I when I was <laughs> the Pikachu. Yeah, <laughs> Corey's literally been gasping. Not be, not just the Pikachu gas, but the one where it's like. <laughs> 
I forget what it's like, but it's like right on body slam. And it's like a picture of a huge ass right on trying to body slam a Pikachu. And the Pikachu's like, fuck. Yeah, that's literally what the story is. <laughs> I don't I don't think it's a right on, but it's another big ass Pokemon. So anyways, how's your sex life? Um, sex life's great. What am I doing? Where are we? What's today? It's the, uh, <laughs> it's Sunday the 8th. Oh, went on a great date. You did? Yeah, I had a really good date. We'll just see where things develop with that. Nice. Or if they're going to develop, or we're just going to keep it, like, fuck buddy status. I don't know. I would like more, but if he doesn't want more, like, I mean, I'm not going to force him. You know? Yeah. Whatever. Um, Talking to a guy, did, did we mention him? I won't Ryan. mention his name. We mentioned I him earlier. Talk- oh. Ryan. Oh, his name's Ryan. There's a ton of people named Ryan. Because yeah, I mentioned, I was like, my hot <laughs> uncle. Or I said, oh, yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. hot name, like my okay, uncle. Okay, yeah, we mentioned that. Yeah, talking to him, I may meet him up. He's really fun. We just talked on uh, uh, just messaging, mm. uh, just like uh, like texting. Oh, worked this entire weekend. We worked hard. Worked, Yeah, I worked like almost 20 hours this weekend. Yeah, bitch. Um, that's it. Yeah. Really good date. Just having like good sex with people, having good like dates and just talking with Ryan on the phone on the, on the phone. It's really good. Yes. Texting. We haven't talked yet. Yeah. Yes. Oh, the last thing I didn't forget. The past three times I've had sex, I've only talked. Oh yeah. You're a fucking <laughs> like, Dom Top energy. Oh fucking Dom Talk like holy shit, y'all. Corey's a top now. He's a power top. Yeah, don't share me your feelings because I'm a top now. Like, yeah. fuck off. I don't care. Yeah, yeah so. Yeah, I'm like big dom top energy. I've only topped, y'all. It's like, <laughs> I think I think literally during the third time I did it, I like snickered to myself. I was like, holy shit. It's like the third you're time like, I'm yeah. only you, topping. You like text me while you're fucking. You're like, oh my God, OMG channel. I'm like, oh, sick. You're like, oh, what? It's pretty fun. Okay, done. <laughs> so my uh, two cents. So last time when we released our episode a few days ago, um, I mentioned how I was very, very, very sick for like a week. And so Jordan was suffering because I was like, oh, don't yeah, touch me. Yeah, I'm yeah. sick as fuck. Like I will cough, vomit, and like cry on you if you try to touch me right now. So update, we had sex. Yes. It was great. So, you know, we're just making out in the living room, doing our thing. And we, he was like, oh, well, fuck you. And I was like, fuck me. And we still had the podcast <laughs> for me. up because I thought we were recording our podcast. Because, like, Corey and I have tried to co- record this episode, like, yes. four times this yes, week. Yes, at least. So I literally have <laughs> left up this four all week. <laughs> you have? <laughs> yeah. Oh, cute. Well, I took it down yesterday because I was done with having a four. But just, my- like, when we're both at home, just, like, sit in front of the TV and one of us is like, hey, I don't want to do it. It's, like, the best it's news. It's the best feeling. <laughs> Because I'm like, hell yeah, I'm just getting drunk now. Yeah. Anyways, um, so we still had the four up. And so we were like starting to like go at it. And I was like, fuck me in the fort. <laughs> I was oh, like, shit. I said, because it'd be funny to talk about my podcast. And yeah. I had sex right exactly where I'm sitting. Yes. So we like ran to the fort and I like threw him on the couch yes. right here. Yes. And then we fucked hard so hard that i pulled a muscle (gasps) and so the next day i could like barely move my (sighs) leg because i pulled a muscle like so intensely Uh so it was a good time Ooh, i did the same cute Uh, the second time i topped i had i pulled a muscle right here like a little groin muscle yeah and we like went to go take a shower afterwards and i was like ow and he's like what happened and i was like 
I think I like pulled a muscle like fucking you. And he was like, fun, hot. And I was like, yeah, equal. You're like, yeah. that is fun and Not hot. that we had the, like, to be fair, not that we had the like craziest sex. I just good. don't top all the time. So my body was like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Even the <laughs> shittiest sex is still sex at the end of the day. I mean, it wasn't shitty. Yeah. <laughs> it was still good. It was good. Anyways. So yeah. Oh, I put up my Christmas tree. This is a big announcement. Yeah. So S'mores is witnessing Christmas tree for the first time in her whole life. Yay. And Corey posted a very cute pic of Simone yesterday of her reaction to the Christmas tree. Oh my tree. God. It's she the was cutest pumped. thing in the world. And I'll post it on our podcast so y'all can know what we're talking about. Oh my God. But it's a good okay. time. So have you watched, my only other two cents is, have you watched um, the Great British Baking Show? I know you, the answer yeah. is yes. The holiday one? No. Well, I already okay. Got- well, there's new holiday ones. Yeah, I've seen it. Okay. The gay guy who is mostly a redhead, who is also two seasons ago, his name is Steven, I think. I don't he, know. I know who I, I would know who you're talking about if you show me a picture. I will show you a picture of him. <laughs> I love the Great British Baking Show more than life itself. No, like this guy, I he like warms my heart just to watch. His name is Steven. His name Steven is Carter Bailey. Pick, please. Okay, so uh it took pictures. Um it, Steven Carter Bailey. That's not a great oh, picture. Oh, yeah. He's so, he's so sweet. Oh, my God. He's so fucking sweet. Oh, this was the other gay guy that same season. Mm-hmm. He's beautiful. But I just like this man, Stephen Carter Bailey, just like, he just warms my goddamn heart. So we're looking like, at- He just fucking, I like, I don't, I've never had this much of a like fascination Crush. with something that I don't know. Oh, so the, <laughs> the ball's in your court, Stephen Carter yeah, Bailey. Yeah, so Stephen Carter Bailey, please everyone contact Stephen Carter Bailey. Everyone start tagging him in our post. I just like, he just warms my goddamn heart. I can't, I can't handle Therefore, it. Therefore, he warms your goddamn heart, listeners. Yeah. So tag him in our post. Like, goddamn, he just, I can't. It's like not like it's like not even none of it's I mean, okay, of course like I'm attracted to him, but it's like not even sexual. I'm just so just like I want you to be my husband. (laughs) I want you to father my golden retrievers. So this is our official golden (laughs) retriever proposal, Stephen Carter Bailey. Yes. Be Corey's, which also means ours. Please. (laughs) Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. (laughs) So anyways. How's your sex? (laughs) We have so many more episodes to record. Bye. Bye, guys.